All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel. I am your host, Avi Abelow. Um, most of you, if not all of you, probably know already about the horrific, horrific tragedy that took place here in Israel on Thursday evening, Thursday night, 1 a.m. in the morning, actually. Uh, being labeled the worst civilian tragedy ever to take place in the state of Israel. 45 dead. Let's hope it stops at that number. Many others still still injured in hospitals. Um, and uh, this event affected uh, our extended family as well. Before I start, again, just want to let everyone know the best way to continue to watch my Pulse of Israel videos, getting a truth out of the land of Israel that really doesn't come out in other outlets, is to go to the website pulseofisrael.com and to sign up for our newsletter. And uh, to anyone who's already a subscriber, I'm going to say thank you. Two other ways people can help us connect and strengthen Israel one is a project called Bikurim, or First Fruits, which is about strengthening Judea and Samaria. Anyone who follows me knows I'm a big believer that the way, the best way Israel can be strengthened and help itself in the Middle East and also be strong enough to help all of mankind is that we strengthen our presence in Judea and Samaria. So this Bikurim uh, project, just click on the link and uh, check out what are the options that fit for you to help strengthen Israel, help all of humanity by strengthening Judea and Samaria. And the final uh, way to help you connect with Israel, we have a whole library of online virtual tours of Israel on israelisbeautiful.com. There too, you can go to the website and check the package of videos and activity uh, packages that works for you. So you can just go to israelisbeautiful.com and, uh, and check it out and, and hopefully sign up and connect with Israel no matter where you are in the world. All right, let's go, let's go to the tragedy, the horrific, horrific tragedy that happened in Meron. Har Meron, for those of you who are not familiar, is a hill. It's the name of a, of a hilltop in the Galil, in the Galilee, where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, a, one of a major uh, rabbis, Talmudic rabbis uh, from Jewish history, a major uh, coder of Jewish law, is buried. Um, he is widely known uh, from Jewish history uh, being uh, chased and persecuted by the Romans. We're talking 2,000 years ago. The Roman Empire wanted to kill him together with the other rabbis that they were killing. He managed to hide out in a cave for 13 years just studying and learning Torah for 13 years. He became a huge, no matter how smart of a rabbi he was before those 13 years, he just became a much, much smarter and knowledgeable rabbi after those 13 years. Uh, so, and, and he's the rabbi who wrote the Kabbalah, the book of the Zohar, very well known in Jewish, in, in the Jewish world and Jewish thought. And he died on the day of Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer actually is a happy day. It's the day when we when we celebrate, the Jewish people around the world celebrate the end of a horrendous uh, event 
that 24,000 Jewish students who were students of a different rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, had died from. Whether they died, some rabbis teach us they died uh, from, a, from a plague, from a pandemic. Others tell us that they died because they were actually fighting against the Romans. So 24,000 Jewish students of Rabbi Akiva were dying for this for this time period, since Pesach till Lag Baomer, a 33-day time period, and then they stopped dying, and it's on Lag Baomer that we celebrate the end of that tragedy of those 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva dying. So it's it's a happy day of celebration, and because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai died on that day, it is a day where we remember his memory, and as you could see in the picture behind me, hundreds of thousands of Jews go to Har Meron to where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried in order to keep his Torah alive, keep his memory alive, and celebrate the Torah, celebrate the, jet, the depth of Jewish life. Every year, until last year, because of the COVID-19, hundreds of thousands of Jews go up there. I think the past few years, besides last year, are over 300,000 Jews went up to that hill. Um, and this year, 100,000 Jews went up to the hill. The first major issue I want to talk about is just the fact that this tragedy happens and how we deal with tragedy, how we as religious people deal with tragedy, especially since this is a happy day. Lag Bomer, you can see those people are celebrating in the picture. You can watch the videos, dancing and singing. It's a happy, happy day. It's supposed to, like I explained, it's the day when we stop the morning and we celebrate. And yet all of a sudden... This happy holiday, which celebrates the end of mourning, has itself turned into a mourning day, recording the largest civilian uh, tragedy to ever occur, with 45 people dead, senselessly, in a, in a sense, just whether it could have been prevented or it shouldn't have happened, uh, I, I, again, for those who are not familiar with the details, basically masses of Jews were leaving a certain area from the celebrations, and they were stuck in this in this uh, very narrow area. Details still aren't clear about what happened. I'm not going to deal with it, but they were just stuck there, and more and more people kept on coming, and they were blocked, and they couldn't move out, and more and more people, hundreds of thousands of people keep on coming, and then people just started falling on each other. It was, it was, it was horrendous. There was no reason for it. So how do we as Jews or people understand tragedy and, and, the, and, and the fact that this happy day, this happy day of Lag Bomer has now turned into a sad day? So first of all, I actually brought this up with a, a friend of mine who is a rabbi, a spiritual leader. His name is Rabbi Shlomo Katz. And I brought this up with him and he said, Avi, you know what? This isn't the first time that a happy day turns into a tragic day. And he reminds me, just a few weeks ago in the Torah, just a few weeks ago, we, the Jewish people all over the world, read the story of the dedication of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And on the day of the dedication, right after a week of, pre of preparations, the priests, the Kohanim, were preparing for the dedication of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. Finally, the day comes, and it's the dedication ceremony. And what happens besides the celebration of the dedication ceremony, two of 
the high priest's sons, right? Aaron was the high priest. Two of his sons, Nadav and Avihu, they went in without permission into the tabernacle, into the Mishkan, and God kills them on the spot. So that, in a sense, is the first time in Jewish history where a happy day, the day of the dedication of the tabernacle, of the Mishkan, turned into a mourning day. The, the, the two sons of the high priest, and that's his day, that's his work. His, the dedication of the tabernacle is all him. It's all him, the high priest. The first time this, the tabernacle, the holy of holies for the Jewish people, was going to be start to be used. And that day turned into a tragic day. Because right? he lost his two sons, and obviously a tragedy for the whole Jewish people. All around the tabernacle, you're talking in the middle of the desert. They just came out of Egypt. They were slaves. They're now free. They're, worn, they're, they're, they're walking around the desert. The tabernacle, God is, God, God is helping them. He saved them. We're worshiping God, and now we're going to have a tabernacle to assist us in worshiping God. And two of Aaron's sons die on the spot during the dedication, on the day of the dedication ceremony. Huge tragedy for the Jewish people. So what we just witnessed, in a sense, what we just experienced on Lad Bomer of these 45 people who died on a holiday of celebration is not the first time that a holiday turns into a mourning day, right? And what's the, what's the challenge for the Jewish people? The challenge is, from here on in, to continue to continue remembering the memories of those 45 people whose lives were lost on the holiday of Lagba Omer, but continuing to celebrate Lagba Omer as a holiday each and every year. Right? Just like with the tabernacle, we didn't stop celebrating the tabernacle or stop using the tabernacle or being happy about the tabernacle or being happy about the dedication day of the tabernacle just because Nadav and Avihu died on that day, on that dedication day. No, they kept on with life. Aaron, their, their father, the head priest, kept on moving forward. Um, and it's up to us to hold on to the memories of these 45 people, keep those memories alive, hold on to the sadness but also continue and take that holiday and, and treat it as a holiday. And I want to tell you a little story because this has to do with uh, uh, how do we deal with tragedy? None of us know why things happen. None of us know God's plan. I don't, no rabbi, no intellectual can know why things happen, why, why, why God has things happen. You have no clue. Anyone who says they do because of this, because of that, we have no clue. Us as human beings, we have two reactions to tragedy, okay? The first reaction is understanding that we don't understand and realizing the only thing we can do is to be better people. Having an understanding that all our impact on the world makes a difference and it's up to us to be better people and make our lives a better place. What can I do to be a better person? How do I make my family life better, my community life better, humanity better? Whenever bad things happen, we're supposed to say, okay, what is upon me to help make my life better? Not that I'm responsible for it, but understanding we can make the world better. So when tragedy happens, let's turn look in, in, in ourselves and say, how can I be a better person? How can I make my life better? How can I be a better parent, a better friend, better community, better human being? How do we improve the world? Okay, right? We have no clue why it happened, but we can be better people. 
And the second thing that we can do in terms of dealing with tragedy is our attitude, how we move forward with our attitude. And I want to tell the story in order to give across this powerful message. And this is actually a story I just read this Shabbat, and I read it to my children at the Shabbat table. And it's about being appreciative for good. Every day, no matter how bad our lives are, no matter what tragedies we experience, we still have good. You, you lost a loved one? Well, you still have loved ones who are alive. You're still healthy. Yeah, yeah. You still have a job. Whatever it is, we still have good we must be thankful for. When, you are, when a person is only focused on the bad things, well, his outlook is always on the bad, and he's always looking at the bad. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is bad. Ignoring all the good he must be thankful for. On the other side, a person, no matter how bad things are, if he is grateful for what he is, what he does have to be grateful for, his attitude towards life helps him be more positive and grateful for what he has. That doesn't mean ignoring the hardships, but using his focus to focus on gratitude. Because once you focus on gratitude, you could see so much more in your life to help you move forward and persevere with the challenges and hardships that you're going through. So it's about the attitude, and here's the story. So there were four fresh widows living on the same in the same community, maybe even on the same block. One uh, fresh widows. One lost their husband. One lost her husband to cancer. Uh, two to two to COVID, and one to a heart attack, a sudden heart attack. All right. So many women, in, many women were visiting one of the one of the widows at her home in Judaism. We have a, a week of mourning that a mourner after they lose a loved one, they just are focused on their mourning. No cooking, no cleaning, no showering, no getting up, no leaving the house. You just sit in your home or sit wherever you are with a ripped piece of cloth and friends and family come and visit you. So you can, in a sense, wallow in your sorrow. That's, that's part of the Judaism's and God's brilliance of the psychology of man to help us deal with loss and mourning, right? So a woman, one of the one of the women was mourning in her house, and women were coming over, right, coming to visit her to 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 comfort her as she is mourning the loss of her husband. So she goes, "Listen, I'm so grateful. Why am I grateful? Because one neighbor of mine." She lost her husband to, to COVID right before their youngest daughter was going to get married. And I heard that everyone was crying at the wedding. And at least for me, I married off all my children. This is a story, folks. This isn't about me. Okay, so one woman is saying, this, she's, this woman who's being comforted by others saying, listen, I'm so grateful for my situation because one friend of mine, right after, right after the, her husband uh, died, well, they had, a, they had a daughter's wedding and the wedding was very sad. All right, thank God, we married off all our kids. Then she says, another, another uh, friend of mine, another neighbor of mine, her husband died from a heart attack. She had no time to deal, to deal with the tragedy. At least my husband, he was sick for two weeks, so I had time to, I had time to, 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 to get used to it, to, to say goodbye to him. So thankfully, that's, um, that's my situation. And then the third woman, well, she died and none of their ch children are married. And now she's at home with her children and she's going to have to marry off all her children on her own without, without her husband. So thank God I'm just looking at my situation versus all my friends, my neighbors. And I'm so, I'm so grateful that even with the tragedy, even with the loss of my husband, I'm grateful about my lot, my, my situation.
Okay? So again, you hear in her, in the way she's talking, that even though she has sorrow and she's, and, 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 and she's mourning, she's thankful for her situation. Then what happens? One of her neighbors comes in. And what does one of her neighbors say? She goes, uh, she goes, oh, I'm, she comes to her. She goes, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I just want to say, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about your situation. Because like when my husband died, well, we made a wedding two weeks later. And that allowed us to be involved in happiness for our daughter. And, uh, and that helped us deal with the morning, being happy for our daughter and making, and making the wedding. Right. Another woman, another one of the women come in and she goes, uh, listen, um, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, um, your, your husband was sick for two weeks. Well, for, for us, you know, my husband just had a heart attack immediately. And, uh, thank God our situation was that, that, that I didn't have to suffer beforehand, that he, he was just taken from us. So that, um, so I'm sorry about what you're going through, what you're going through. And the third and final neighbor, comes in and she goes, listen, I'm so sorry you lost your husband and I'm sorry for, for your loss. I can only imagine all your children are out of the house, are married, and you're, and you're all alone. Thank God at least my children are home with me. I'm not alone. What do you hear from all this? Each one of these women had their own tragedy and each one felt bad for the other, but it wasn't about that. It's that they were focused on grateful for their lot. They, they looked at the positive of their situation, even though it was a horrible situation. But you, you, you can't bring a, a dead person back. They're mourning for their loved one. But each one had a positive outlook about their situation. They had a positive attitude. That is something we all must always remember. No matter how horrible a tragedy is, we still have a life to move forward on, and it's, it depends upon us, on our attitude, on how we move forward. And because it's very hard, it's very hard to move forward. It's hard to get up in the morning when you experience a tragedy, when you experience loss, especially loss of a, of, of a loved one, of a loved one so close. But regardless, life moves on. And the other, the other lesson from the Torah just a few weeks ago, we have a parsha achrei mot, after Nadav and, Avi, and Avihu die, Aaron has to continue living and it's Achrei Mot after, after this, the death of his two sons. And God basically tells him, okay, Aaron, here, you're keeping on working. You still have your work as the high priest. That somehow, even though it hurts, even though it's hard, we have to remember the reasons to live and to continue, not ignoring the pain, not ignoring the sorrow, compartmentalizing it, holding on to it and remembering our loved one who's lost, but not letting that stop us from moving forward and appreciating everything we do have, appreciating the loved ones we do have in our lives, appreciating the children, appreciating the parents, appreciating the spouses, appreciating the friends, and somehow getting the strength with all that, of that attitude of appreciation to move forward while also holding on to the, to the sorrow. Now I want to move to the tragedy of the tragedy. Okay, so we spoke about the tragedy of 45 people. Unfortunately, we died in, died in this tragedy on, on Mayron Hill and the Lagbomer celebrations. Those of you who followed me know that um, my sister's nephew, right, from my, from my brother-in-law's side, uh, is one of those whose lives was lost in this, in this tragic event. On, uh, of the, he was one of the 45. My sister, all day Friday, was running around from hospital to hospital 
trying to find information about her nephew. Because um, we didn't know. We didn't know. The family in America didn't know. Um, he was missing. No, no, no sign of what happened to him. No one's making any assumptions. Uh, disconnected. A lot of people got disconnected from their phones. Who knows what happened, but didn't know the information. So she was running around from hospital to hospital. So my wife and I basically were spending all day on top of information, trying to get information from them and then putting it out there. But more importantly, as we saw rumors being spread about information about this boy, we were trying to tell people, stop, it's just a rumor, stop, because we were waiting. My sister was basically one of the only people out there actually tracking him and then giving back information about what the actual state was. So any information that was being spread, we knew was false because it wasn't, it didn't come from my sister or anyone she was working with to find out the information about what happened to this boy, to her nephew. And that's the tragedy. The tragedy is the rumors. The rumors that are spread about people during tragedies. And some people have good intentions. The first rumor that went around actually was that he was found in a hospital and he was just injured. But you, people don't understand that how dangerous information is to the actual family who is uh, who is waiting for real information to understand what hap what's happened to their loved one. And this is just one example of, a, of many tragedies where rumors are just spread and people just, uh, especially in Israel, with terror attacks, and it's like all of a sudden people are sending, oh, this person was injured, or that person was killed. Well, first of all, we don't know. And second of all, word is not supposed to get out until all the family members know. You don't want family members to be surprised because of a rumor on WhatsApp or because of a headline in a newspaper. You want the family members to be the first people to learn about what happened to a loved one and only then publicize it to the world. So it is so, so harmful when, when, when rumors, even with good intentions, are spread. And it was throughout the day that rumors were being spread. Some in terms of uh, that he was found in the hospital, others in terms of that he was found dead. And again, every time we saw this information, we're like, no, it's not true. Folks, stop, stop, stop spreading it. It's not true. We don't have confirmation yet. And again, this isn't, this is just using the specific case. I mean, I, I, I'm talking about this because I was touched personally by this on Friday, but this happens all the time. And not many people think about it. Not many people think about the ramifications of spreading information about a tragedy, about a specific person in a tragedy without really, really knowing that it is the correct, verified information to the extent, like just using, using the case of uh, my sister's nephew, um, Danny Morris, uh, Nachman, Daniel, Ben, Miriam Milano, Zichron al-Racha. Uh, a headline went out in the news uh, that that he's no longer, even before um, it was clarified by uh, by my sister and the people who were at the morgue there to check. And that's just horrifying. Like how how did information reach a news outlet? Who who gives information to a news outlet? And again, things were running around on WhatsApp groups and stuff like that as well. 
But the fact that, that, a, that a newspaper would publicize information, um, I mean, again, maybe they thought they were getting verified information, but it obviously wasn't because the people who were on the ground involved did not have that verified information. It was not verified yet. So the big tragedy here is, of course, what happened to all 45 of these people who lost their lives and all of their families who are now in mourning because they lost their loved ones at this uh, tragic, tragic event that uh, shouldn't have happened, but did. But the little tragedy within the tragedy is that even while big tragedies are happening, the spread of misinformation and rumors, again, all with the best of intent by people. I'm not trying to, to, to say people are, are mean or evil in doing that. No, they have the best of intent, trying to get information and, and share it. But until it is verified, it can be very, can be very damaging and, and, uh, and painful to all those families who are in limbo, not knowing what, what the state is of their loved one. So my first plea out to everyone is if, if you are ever in a situation, ever in a situation, similar situation, if you hear about tragedy, don't be in a rush to announce information about it because there are ramifications and the ramifications are those people involved in the tragedy and the family members connected to the tragedy. Wait, there's no, no need to, no need to be rushed. The second it's verified, everyone's going to know. But the most important thing is if you really care about the person who is experiencing the tragedy and therefore you care about the family, wait until the family knows and therefore announces or you know that the family knows somehow because of how the information is put out there and try your best to verify it as best as possible again it's not every it's not always simple the second it's in a newspaper then I'll, well of course it's verified right that's what people think of well the newspaper printed it of course it's verified well here here's an example i just i know from firsthand experience here that this some newspaper has printed the information and it was not verified yet so um just remember, never, never be in a rush to be the first to put out information about a tragedy regarding specific information about the people who were affected by the tragedy. And lastly, my, uh, my prayers go out to all the families who are, now, who are now suffering and mourning. Please, God, will get to the truth about what, uh, about what happened. But regardless of the truth of what happened, and I'll deal with that in a later date. Regardless of the truth of what happened, right now we all come together and focus on being the best people we can be. None of us have any clue why this happened, why God allowed this to happen. Again, as a believing Jew, as a religious Jew, I believe everything is done for a reason. And in Judaism, we have a mitzvah, we have a commandment that we bless the bad just like we bless the good. And the blessing we say when we heard, hear bad news is Baruch Dayan Ha'emet, blessed be the judge of truth, meaning we're blessing God that he is the judge of truth. Only he knows the truth, only he understands why things happen, he understands the greater picture, while to us it's, it's, it's sad and a tragedy. And it, it obviously is sad to God as well, but for whatever reason, there's a purpose behind it all that makes sense in the whole wider scheme of things, the wider plan um, that we all never know. 
never know, we'll never understand God's ways. So it's not about, we, a person could be angry at God, right? You can have anger at God for sure, but also understand we don't know why things happen and then we're only left to focus on ourselves. And the two things we focus on ourselves, like I started in the video, is one, focus on being the best people we can be, focusing on, well, we can make an impact on the world by being better people. And two, focusing on our attitude to ensure that we can continue in life, not let the mourning and the sadness and the tragedy ruin our lives and therefore have a ripple effect, impact and ruin the lives of the people around us. Because let's say you're a person, you get into depression, well, then your kids are impacted and your family, your extended family members are impacted because you being in depression. Again, I'm not talking about clinical depression here. I'm talking about just allowing the situation to get you so down. Maybe a person might get clinical depressed about that, but so long as someone has the strength or the kochot to be able to hold on to that sadness and mourning, but still have the overall big picture uh, understanding that even with the tragedy, there is so much good happening in your life to be thankful for, and you have people around you who will be impacted by your attitude. So hold on to the sadness, be sad, but then remember to be thankful for everything that is going well, that you do have, no matter how many bad things, because that attitude then helps you move forward and helps impact the people around you also deal with the sadness and the mourning and the tragedy. So my blessings are out to all the families. My blessings are out to all of humanity. Let's be the best people we can be. Let's try to hold on to the best attitude we could be. That's the only thing we control. We don't control what happens to us. You could step out the door and be run over by a car and your life could be over like that. Um, we never know what's going to happen, whether a big tragedy, a little tragedy, a heart attack. We never know. We never know. The only thing we do have control over is our attitude and being the best people we can be and trying to make the biggest impact we can be in the time we have. And we don't know how much time we have. We can have 70 years. We can have 100 years. We can have one day or one minute. So it's up to us to maximize every moment we have and hold on and hug and kiss all of those so dear to you and maximize each and every moment. Don't waste those moments because you never know when those moments won't be anymore. And then you'll be thinking back, oh, I wasted that time. I didn't, I, I was mad. I was angry. I hold grudges and I missed that opportunity to spend and be appreciative and develop our relationship and be thankful. So don't waste the time. Time is the one thing that is precious and you can't have back. Take advantage of that time. Make the most of it. Use it properly with, with your loved ones, with those close to you. Let's all make the world a better place by being the best people we can be. Shalom, everyone. Signing off from the eternal and ancestral homelands of the Jewish people where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried. That's the picture behind me of Miron just of Thursday night from the video of all the celebration taking place. This are an eternal and ancestral homeland. He was buried there 2,000 years ago and still today we remember his memory. We are an eternal people. We've experienced countless amount of tragedies and this is now going to go in the books as another one unfortunately we're going to hold on to those memories and move forward and make the world a better place and be a light into the nations and that's up to us being the best we can be as a people and all of you who are not Jews doesn't make a difference be the best people you could be and you also be a light for all of humanity shalom everyone and thanks for watching pulse of israel frontline videos from the holy land support our work by donating today